Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Hey, Alan, I'm doing good, buddy. It's getting cold out there. Yeah, uh, I'm not a fan. I, I, I feel like it went from hot to cold a little too fast for my taste this year. Oh, I've written our mayor. We're going to see what he can do about it. Mayor McCheese? That's, is that not our mayor? Well, I, I think it is. It's, he's my mayor. <laughs> I don't know, but I've got a grimace as I listen to your story. <laughs> Waggity maggity dude. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that's how was good. how was uh how was trick-or-treating last night? Uh you know, it was pretty good. Um we uh we didn't have a ton of trick-or-treaters. I think, you know, the, the things are a little different. We our neighborhood has done what they call a Halloween parade the last couple of years. And I haven't decided <laughs> if I'm a fan yet. But I'll tell you what, it, it works really well in the sense that it's there and done really quickly. What you don't want to do is what I did, which is to be somewhere else while the parade is starting and then try to get in your driveway when it's in front of your driveway. That's what I did. That happened to us at Disney. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, we were in the Magic Kingdom and yeah. we went to the back because we didn't know what the back looked like. And we're like, <laughs> hey, look at the back of the Magic Kingdom. That's You don't see that every day. And then we're no. like... Hey, this seems about time to go. And the Magic Kingdom disagreed with us. Yeah. And, and you don't get to go. Everybody started dancing and everything's yeah. fireworks. And I just <laughs> I yelled at everybody. It wasn't good. While you were at Disney, did you see the uh, you know sixth wonder of the world or the ninth wonder? Whatever. I've lost track of the Andre? Uh, no, the back of water is on the Jungle Cruise there, right? Oh, no. I don't. Yeah, yeah it's a thing. So. I don't look up when I'm at Disney. <laughs> I just look down at my feet. <laughs> and, and shoulder ahead. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It. How about you? How was your Halloween? Uh, it, it was pretty good. Uh, the, I was uh, hailed as the hero over in the neighborhood. At least that's how I see it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's self-proclaimed. But what did you actually do? It's self-proclaimed. I put out hot cocoa and we went, probably went through, I don't know, eight to ten pots. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. People just couldn't get enough of that heavenly stuff. Wow. Yeah. Well, nice job. Way, way to be uh, neighborly. Well, the problem is you you start feeding that animal and he becomes hungry. Yeah. Because there came some uh, awful cute little uh, boys and girls who said, you know, sir, can I have some hot cocoa? And the, we ran out. Yeah. It wasn't good. No. They get, did, the, did the crowd turn on you and it, get their pitchforks? It got ugly. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah. Well, I think you've also set a precedent for being the nice guy. I, on the other hand, just mostly honked at the people in my way. Came inside and just stared, stared at him. See, that's what I was going to say. I yeah. could have sworn that you had finished the metamorphosis into grumpy old man by now. It's it's well underway. That's what I'll say <laughs> right. about it. Work in progress. Yeah. I'm trying to roll it back, but you never know. Yeah. All right. We will see. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us again, everybody. This week, we're covering season three, episode 12, Eagleton. Eagleton. Yeah, that Eagleton. We'll talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, Mark, actually, I, before we move on, I will say- that I believe when this episode airs, it will be our one-year anniversary day, November 3rd. That's right. Yeah. One year old. So congrats. Yeah, congrats. Yeah. I think we've produced, I don't know, 40 or 50 of these uh, roughly, uh, you know, primary episodes, some, a lot of bonus episodes and yeah. some specials and uh, almost 60,000 downloads. And so um, I think we had a heck of a first year. What do you think? I think so, too. It's been uh, been quite a journey. Well, you know, I, I, I know Constantine's sticking around. We're not going to lose him necessarily. But I did also hear that uh, the brass, they're so happy that we've gotten to this one year anniversary. They expect us to cancel. But 
they don't know you can't get canceled on a podcast, um, but don't tell them. No. Um, they're going to let us hire that engineer, that guy we met. What was his name? Harvey? Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. Oh, I like that guy. He's delightful. Yeah, he's nuts. Yeah. So uh, we look forward to him joining the podcast here in the next couple of weeks. I think he's going to be doing some editing duties and uh, occasionally on air, you know, uh, for whatever reason, we'll, we'll, we'll get him on air because you guys got to meet this guy. Oh, that's fantastic. See, I thought he was just going to fill the snack machine. But if, if we're going to get hey, him says, like some on-air talent, that's all, great. All other duties is assigned, Mark. That's how you get away with that crap. <laughs> I like it. It's like an elastic clause. It is an elastic clause. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the episode, yeah, shall we? Absolutely. All right. Well, Eagleton first aired on May 11th, 2011. It's got a 2103 runtime. Uh, this one was directed by Nicole Holofcenter. Uh, she did four episodes total. Uh, she's also associated with Sex in the City, of course, Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. Inside Amy Schumer, uh, and Mrs. Fletcher on HBO. So Nice. And then written by Emily Spivey, who's from Mad TV, Saturday Night Live, and then did a show called Maya and Marty, then back to Saturday Night Live, and then recently had her own show, Bless the Hearts. Nice. Yeah. And, and this is the one and only written by Emily. Interesting. Yeah. So, so welcome aboard, Nicole and Emily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Has, have you seen that uh, or have you noticed rather that the, the episode times have been shrinking a little bit? Yeah. I mean, we've been in the 2120s, 21s, and now this is a 2103. I feel like, you know, I want my 17 seconds back. Well, I, that sounds dumb, too, you know, when you say it out loud, because that doesn't seem like a lot of time. But it's I mean, it's not insignificant. I, I think it's two jokes. Which what ones? <laughs> uh, the good ones. Oh, God. Yeah, the ones the I came up with. They oh, got cut. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. But I think most jokes take eight and a half seconds. That's my my theory. Oh, mine take way longer. I got to re <laughs> I got to recalibrate. You might want to work on. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I know. Mark, should we get into our synopses? Absolutely good, sir. Uh, Alan of the round table there. All right. Did you notice the table is round again? Yeah. I had the flaps folded down, but now they're round again. So I I wanted to make sure it was like this when you got back. Oh, is that what it was? I didn't. Yeah, it got into some sort of rhombus shape. I don't know. But yeah, now it looks very round table-ish. It is round table. All right. Good deal. Well, I got an A story and a B story coming at you. All right. What you got? All right. Well, I have my A story as a tale of two cities. I like it. That one just kind of wrote itself. I mean, it kind of does. I mean, you kind of plagiarized what you did. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So Eagleton, that Eagleton. That Eagleton. Built a fence in a shared park to keep Pawnee residents out, which Leslie suspects is the work of former best friend and Pawnee Parks and Rec co-worker, Lindsay Carlisle Shea. Who's that? Uh, It's Lindsay Carlisle Shea. Oh, okay. Who is now Eagleton's Parks and Rec director. Leslie meets with Lindsay, who refuses to remove the fence and insults Pawnee in the process. Leslie, Tom, and Ben attend a fancy catered Eagleton town meeting to plead their case to its citizens, which does not go well, leaving Leslie frustrated and seeking revenge. Very nice. What will happen? Why is Leslie letting Lindsay get to her? How hard can you hit someone with a garbage bag? Can we build a second fence around their fence? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Mark, I just have to say this. Yeah. Um, we've got a fan. Uh, well, that might be a stretch. <laughs> we've got a person who's kind of interested in our show. Okay. Uh, follows us on the, the Twitters or the Instagrams, one of the two. Maybe sure. Both. Uh, but they, their site is uh, Carmel is Eagleton. And, you know, you know, know as well as I do that we've got a city just to the north of Indianapolis here called Carmel. Yeah. Uh, and they call it Carmel out in there in California. But here in Indiana, it's Carmel. Like yeah. The candy. And their, their site is Carmel is Eagleton. They're pretty convinced that Eagleton is Carmel, Indiana. 
I can totally see that. That's so funny. It's interesting. Yeah. So if, if we get any listeners in Carmel, I'd be very interested in their point of view on that. If we have any listeners in, listeners in Carmel. Or, or Carmel, for that matter. Or Carmel. Yeah. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> Mark, what was your B story? All right. B story I entitled Ron's Greatest Nightmare. Mm. Leslie discovers Ron's upcoming birthday, which he has kept secret for years. And she promises a horrified Ron she will throw a surprise party. Ron becomes increasingly paranoid, especially after overhearing April and Andy discuss outrageous party plans. Ron eventually becomes so paranoid, he resorts to sleeping in his office to avoid any potential surprises at home or otherwise. How will this turn out? What mistake by Ron allowed Leslie to discover his birthday? <laughs> How does one get assigned to... The Kidnap Squad. Do they make bouncy castles for adults? Stick around. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice job, Mark. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm guessing you probably came up with a couple of, uh, you know, them, their AKAs as you were doing your synopsises. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just happened to. Yeah. What you got? All right. Well, I got uh, I got two. Is it one per storyline or did you double down on one of them? I double down on one of them just because that's how I how I roll. Of course. All right. And uh, I, I'm such a Ron fanboy. I did the B story. Um, so one is um, by April, who um, is said not to Ron, but over the phone to, uh, I assume, a company of some sort. <laughs> and uh, I think it causes Ron some consternation when oh, April my. says, and I quote, I have a question about your inflatable saxophones. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other AKA I have, that was the runner up. So I guess my winner yeah. is um, it's a quote from Ron himself where he's saying he doesn't like all this birthday nonsense. Yeah. No, no, and he no. just simply says birthdays were invented by Hallmark to sell cards. <laughs> <laughs> What you got? That's a, a widely shared opinion, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just chose one. My, I'm a good boy. So mine is from the A story. Uh, and it just encapsulated, well, encapsulated life, I feel like right now. Yeah. And Leslie is talking to Lindsay, Lindsay Shea, what's her name there? And basically says, I don't know why, but she gets all formal and says, I doth proclaim thee a stupid fart face. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that just really said so much about, well, everything. I have my actually my work signature says that. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get a T-shirt. <laughs> we add that to the list. We could add it to the list. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Mark. Well, I think that about does it for the AKAs and our synopsis. Should we get into the breakdown? We should get into the breakdown. Break it down. All right. All right. Well, our cold open uh, this episode is 78 seconds. It's uh, plot relevant. I think it's uh, pretty safe to say. And we open. They've done this a few times. It's not. It's still atypical, but it's not uncommon at this point. We see a black screen with all white letters that says Monday. That Monday, it's a bad day of the week. It really is. Yeah. Not my favorite. <laughs> so we see Leslie enter Ron's office and Leslie manages to kind of disarm Ron with just a meaningless small talk before asking him, hey, what are you doing for your birthday on Friday? And Ron begins to answer it before. Don't realizing in horror what's just happened and we then see some leslie gloating and some ron grimacing and leslie tells ron she's planning something big to his dismay uh and finally leslie has a talking head which gives us a little bit of insight about her crusade to find out about ron's <laughs> birthday and how he's been so careful not to tell anyone but he screwed up 
with Baskin Robbins. Look, I mean, we all love our free scoop on our birthday, Mark. Oh, uh-huh. and that's what did him in. Well, a free scoop of rum raisin. There, was it worth it, Ron? There are worse ways to go. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was worth it. That's so funny. It was a funny cold open for it sure. It was, yeah. Just to watch Ron in so much discomfort at, you know, and he actually says it in his uh, talking head. You know, he he doesn't like loud noises, people making a fuss, and he especially doesn't like the fact that people are celebrating because they know a piece of information about him. Well, and and so so two things real quick. One, I think, is this is going to be a theme yeah. that, that we see through this episode. Yeah, that it, it he. Ron and Nick Offerman is so masterful in the way that he responds to a, a number of people. First of all, Leslie here. And then second, I just realized this is where, this is where my AKA came yeah, from, from his, yeah, uh, yeah. from his talking head. And birthdays were invented by Hallmark to sell cards. Right on, Ron. You get them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The whole thing is a scam. <laughs> well, following the cold open, Mark, we open in the bullpen and Tom is sharing a photo with a team that sets off a battle in the classic bitter rivalry. I think only a few times in the history has something more egregious ever occurred, Mark? Um, you know, the the three that come to mind for me are the the War of the Roses, yeah, uh, the Coke versus Pepsi Wars, oh yeah, and then Rambo First Blood. Oh, holy cow! Yeah, you just summoned the Trinity. I, I mean, really? Then them's powerful stuff. Yeah. Okay, but Eagleton kind of. Uh, one-upped them. It certainly did. We have a new high for ridiculousness now. So yeah, Tom smacks this photo down on the table in front of Leslie. They're in the bullpen and he informs her and everybody else that Eagleton put up a fence around a park shared by Eagleton and Pawnee. And yeah. this, this prompts a lot of robber, 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 anti-Eagleton yeah, sentiments, yeah, yeah. robber, robber. Yeah. And calling, you know, calling them rich snobs, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Leslie suspects the work of one Lindsay Carlisle Shea, the Eagleton Parks director, former Pawneean and former best friend to Leslie. Yeah. Well, you know, that's pre-Anne, obviously. Yes. And, and before Lindsay, you know, stabbed her in the back, which oh, we'll my- find out about here shortly. I just two notes here. Two things that, that I, one thing I found interesting and one cracked me up. One was that Ben is one of the people in, in the bullpen. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that we're still experiencing Ben as kind of through the eyes of a non Pontian. Yeah, we're Ben. I mean, we are, you're Ben. Well, yeah. 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 And uh, I'm, I'm more Andy, who is the other one I want to talk about who like <laughs> Leslie says, you know, Lindsay Carlisle oh. Shea, like she's summoning oh, some really bad words, word, uh-huh. uh, words from the, from the afterworld yeah, or something. Yeah. And you hear Andy go, Argh. like he, like he knows who that is. And then he, like he's drinking coffee and he grimaces and goes, ah, and then he kind of looks around and goes, who? <laughs> <laughs> because that's still Andy. Like he wants to be supportive, but he's such a doofus. Well, and 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 Ben doesn't understand, you know, Ben doesn't get it right. Right, I mean, right. Yeah, exactly. But I love that Tom comes in with a photo that he clearly took. Maybe he, this is from the camera they had in that surveillance van, mm. you know, where he had to eventually run from the police. Yeah. And uh, he took photos. <laughs> he went and got them developed, had a five by seven printed out all so that he could walk into the bullpen and smack it down on a table. All that actually happened, Mark. He knows the value of a good entrance. <laughs> You know, I guess if anybody does, it would be Tom. It would be Tom. Yeah, that's right. Well, still in the bullpen, you know, once again, Ben just doesn't get it. Right. And we, the audience, have the benefit of learning the pertinent details because, you know, once again, Ben is addressing the elephant in the room and asking the most stupid possible question. Thank you, Ben. (laughs) 
Yeah, he he basically says he opens this can of worms by saying, is the Eagleton side really that much better than the Pawnee side? Yeah. And, and you know, I thought at first they were going to be like, no, oh, they, I, they suck. And I they're, like, they're oh, going to kill him. But they, then, they, no, well, you're they, they kind of are. They kind of are. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> stupid snobs. And, I, I, and then Leslie said, yeah, you know, they're really cool. And our side is this scrappy piece of land where kids go to smash fluorescent light tubes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's I used to play thing. there when I was a kid. I know. Oh that my gosh! But it has a lot of heart, Mark. <laughs> it does have a lot of heart. That's what you say about stuff that sucks. Oh, it yeah, has a lot thank of heart. You, you have a lot of heart, Alan. Yeah, I do. Um, and so uh, Leslie is determined, though. I mean, to make a stand for Pawnee, like this fence just isn't going to happen. And and uh, she, so now she summons uh, her 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 intestinal fortitude there, and she takes part of what she calls Operation No More Fence, but. Please note, to do this, she has to entrust April to take charge of the project that she was on before oh, sure. this, which is called Operation Ron's Party, colon, Shock, Shock and, and Awe. <laughs> there you go. Love it. I love it, too. I, I love uh, Ron's talking head here, who's clearly overhearing this scene as, you know, Leslie's assigning <laughs> these, these terror tasks to yeah. April. And he says, Leslie has a lot of qualities I find horrifying. But the worst one by far is how thoughtful she can be. <laughs> uh, so good. Love, love some Ron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Mark, in the next scene, we're at a City of Pawnee public forum. And oh. I, I put some emphasis on that because it's going to be important shortly because we're going to see another town's public forum. We are. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you not watch this episode? Should I have? You probably should have. Jeez. But, you know, at this one, it's clearly on the Eagleton fence as uh, per the sign. Mm -hmm. And we get a behind the scenes look at the politics that likely led to the removal of another extremely unfair fence, the Berlin Wall. Oh, yeah. Mark, should, should we just play this one? <laughs> There's so much good stuff. I think we should. That's a good idea. All right. Let's give it a play. Yup. It's the only park in our neighborhood. I mean, where are my kids supposed to play? The rock quarry? <laughs> There's rocks in there. <laughs> Why don't we just set fire to the fence, you know? Set it ablaze? That's arson. Well, let's leave that up to the lawyers. Point is, it would work. <laughs> Why don't we build a fence around their fence? Yeah. Why? It yeah. would give us two fences. Yep, two. So if they needed to get to their fence for maintenance and whatnot, their pants might get caught. My son, Joey, tried to scale that fence to play on the Eagleton side, and he fell and hurt his arm. You need to get those people to tear that fence down. This woman's right. I promise you, citizens of Pawnee and sweet, brave Joey, I will tear down that fence. Okay, I, I'm just going to suggest one more time that we burn it down, but whatever you guys think. Yeah, great. Oh, so good. I, I, I love it. This is, uh, in, you know, the town of Pawnee at its best, Mark. Mm -hmm. Brilliant ideas from the, uh, you know, the, the, the proletariat. And of course, you know, good governance on Leslie's side. Yes. All, all the things you just said occurred right there. Uh, not to mention a, a nice cameo by uh, Mike Scully. Mike Scully of Simpsons fame. He well, was, and Parks and Rec's fame. He was, uh, uh, let's build a second fence around the first yeah, fence guy. So good. Pretty, pretty good. And uh, I, I like arson guy too. <laughs> uh, he, he had kind of a five head going there. He, he, there was something going on there, but you know, he's inspired. He, he you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he has a lot of heart, Alan. He really did. 
And forehead. Yeah, he had both. (laughs) Well, Mark, over at the bullpen at the Parks Department, we're back in the office and we hear April briefly executing on Leslie's list of party planning needs before we have a chance to finally meet the one and only Lindsay Carlisle Shea. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that April was doing Leslie's bidding, but all I do know is that she's on the phone asking someone about inflatable saxophones. But, But Leslie gave her the list. For Operation Shock and Awe. Well, online. yeah, but but you don't know what she does in her spare time. This this could be for something that she was doing. That's true. She yeah. might this might have been in her scrapbook ready to go. But it wasn't. It was Leslie's list. And so yeah, Ron's nearby fixing himself coffee. Yeah. And she has the line about inflatable saxophones, and he turns around and you can just see his face go, uh-huh. She's and, gonna need 40 dozen of those. Holy yikes. <laughs> and he overhears a few <clears throat> worrisome comments like that. Um And finally, Ron, he can't take it anymore. So he walks over to April's desk, takes his hand and he presses down on the phone switch, uh, hanging it up. And he tells April, stop it. And April claims it was a personal call, but I don't think Ron believes her. Yeah. She said, I would never make a work related call. You know that. Interesting side note, though. She's ordering inflatable Saxima phones. Yeah. Doesn't that imply maybe that she and Leslie were going to out? Ron's secret? Well, I think this is where Le- where April did apply her own personal touch to this and maybe chose that because I don't think Leslie knows. Mm. But inspired. You know, you're right. But maybe Leslie did suggest the, uh, you know, the neon gangster fedora hats. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong there. You really can't. So then a- after this little <laughs> interchange yeah, and Ron walks away going grumble, grumble, because he's still not really happy about that. We The camera come uh, pans over and we see Lindsay Carlisle Shea in the flesh. She's entering the parks department from the hallway. Played by the great Parker Posey. By the great Parker Posey. And and Leslie sees her and you kind of have like reading like, oh, hi. And they kind of like have this little hug, clasping hands, shoulder pat, awkward, you know, whatever. Um, and, and Ben and Ann are, are right there too, kind of looking on and observing all this. And it doesn't take long for Lindsay to start passive aggressively talking down to everybody like s- saying phrases like oh this place hasn't changed a bit still lovable but grimy you she's got her hand sanitizer out oh yeah yeah, yeah. like that that's on her hip like a holster or uh, like a pistol well both um so then leslie tries to introduce her to both ben and ann and it didn't that didn't go well not really like Okay, uh, does it call she, Ben Dan? She goes, hi, Dan. He goes, it's Ben. She says, it's not important. It won't come up again. It won't come up again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, well done, Parker Posey. But oh my gosh, you're a real witch? Uh-huh. Halloween witch. Yeah, Halloween okay. witch, yes. So then Leslie senses that maybe uh, it'd be better to get Lindsay out of there. So so Leslie suggests that they go walk outside in the, in the courtyard to talk where maybe, you know, they can minimize the damage she's doing. I think that's pretty smart. And, you know, Anne basically says, nice to meet you and you then she takes one last dump on the on on Anne there saying you know how nursing is pretty much tired and sad and well it sounds like it's the best sort of snobbery because it sounds like at first she's being sympathetic like oh as a oh as a nurse yeah you must be so tired and sad (laughs) and then you see Anne's eyes kind of turned down like maybe I am tired and sad oh no Well, out in the courtyard, Mark, Leslie does her best to appeal to Lindsay's nostalgic side. And, you know, if that doesn't work, apparently she's prepared to try blackmail for a second time in the series run. Whatever it takes, Bob. In the courtyard, we see Leslie getting out an old picture 
taken of Lindsay, uh, 35 pounds heavier, large nose, wearing a jazz sweatshirt. But you know what? She's smiling. She is. And Lindsay doesn't seem too pleased to see this old photo of her old self. And she delicately yanks it out of Leslie's hand, you know, to keep it because she loves it so much. Get out of here. Um, So then Leslie tries to talk to Lindsay about the fence, but Lindsay ain't having it. Lindsay, Lindsay thinks a private park for Eagleton is great. It'll protect their children. And she really has no intention of listening to Leslie or taking down the fence with ending with (laughs) her, her quote is, Pawnee is and always will be a dirty little nightmare from which you will never wake up. But it was good seeing you. And then she walks off, just leaving Leslie fuming. Well, and and it's one of those moments where, you know, Leslie kind of has that, you know, she wishes she'd said thing, you know. Mm. She says, what? I'm not asleep. I'm awake. I'm wide awake and I've got my eyes on you. She says, that's what I would have said if I'd thought of it in the moment. What did I say? (laughs) She didn't say anything. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, well, hindsight's 2020, right? Hindsight is always 2020. Yep. Sometimes 2030. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, now we're going to shuttle over to the Eagleton Public Forum. And, you know, I mentioned that uh, compare and contrast thing a little earlier. Yeah. And, and here the differences are going to become pretty obvious pretty quickly. And that doesn't include the fact that the air smells like vanilla. Oh, just heavenly. Yeah, well, this scene starts out with, once again, we have all black screen with white letters, Tuesday, Tuesday. So it's another day. And then we see Tom and Ben and Leslie attending, as you said, a public forum, this time in Eagleton. And it looks extremely fancy, like a posh gala event. Um, Tom and Ben appear to be impressed despite themselves. But Leslie continues to hold the line that Eagleton is not better than Pawnee. Well, she can hold that line all she wants, but uh, the evidence may be to the contrary. Oh, my gosh. The, the cupcake factory alone, that air smells heavenly. Well, you know, she does weigh in with the talking head at the very end and says, look, factoid alert. Eagleton was founded by former Pawneeans. No. Pawnee was established in the May of 1817. Mm-hmm. And by July, finding the smell unpleasant and the soil untenable, oh. all the wealthy people evacuated Pawnee and moved to Eagleton. Oh, wow. What yeah. snobs. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's when it all began. If you can't take a little untenable soil, what what, what are you made of? <laughs> uh, apparently better stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Mark, after that talking head from Leslie, we're going to continue at the Eagleton Public Forum and we're going to learn basically two things, um, a bunch of equestrian puns. And then not, not only is Tom, you know, I think last episode or so when we met, when Tom introduced himself to Brandy Max, mm-hmm. you remember he introduced himself as Thomas yeah. Haverford. Yeah. Well, today we're getting... Thomas Montgomery Haverford. Yeah. Yeah. So we now know his middle name. Well, yeah. We know which of the 26 profiles is actually legit. Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. Good callback. Yup, yup. Nice. All right. Well, yeah. Like you said, they're still at the Eagleton Public Forum. Um, Lindsay walks up to the gang to greet them. Oh, joy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, she's carrying a champagne flute and she Mm -hmm. looks like she just came from the stables. She's looking as snobby as ever. Um, she's a she's a piece of work, right? And she's uh, in a home field here. That's she, worth noting. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, and you know, she engages in a little verbal sparring with Leslie, I think it's safe to say. Yeah. And and Tom tries to interact with her and she's just like, whatever. Like she doesn't even acknowledge him, you know, nor does she acknowledge Dan. 
No, she um, doesn't. And and so they're you know she and Leslie are kind of just rabble rabble like verbal sparring, and then she hear clink 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 a spoon on the glass, which indicates that the forum is about to begin. And so Lindsay tells Leslie that you know she will they're going to take care of a little business at first, and then she will introduce her to speak shortly. Right. That's right. And Leslie goes great, and Tom looks around the room and goes, "Look how pretty <laughs> the people are." Yep. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I love uh, I love Lindsay. Lindsay is so good at being someone that we hate. Yes, she um, is. Sure and is. I, the the quote I love from this is, uh, you know, she she looks at Leslie and she say, and she says, "You look like you've been working hard. You have a million flyaways right now. Would you like to borrow a mirror or a self help book?" <laughs> wow! Wow! It's funny because there's that scene when I think in back in the the parks department before they left where April held up the scissors and kind of mimics, you know, wanting to stab her. I think if she had overheard this, she might have actually stabbed her. She might have. Although, you know, that's an interesting point. I was surprised that April mimed stabbing her with the scissors because I thought she would jump on board with anyone who would cut down Anne. Yeah, but she attacked Leslie first and I don't think April's having that. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's a, a yeah. conflict for her. Then. It is. I think I think April's loyal. I think Leslie wins. Yeah, I think Leslie wins. Nice. That's true. Yeah. Well, back in Ron's office, April continues torturing Ron and Anne is simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, holy cow and a half <laughs> over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> April walks up to Ron and starts asking him uh, disconcerting questions about yeah. uh, how well his house can accommodate uh, large numbers of vehicles and or people. Yeah. Does he have street parking? <laughs> <laughs> My house isn't even on a street. And, and, and Ron gets more and more agitated at, at this, you know, and continuing the theme. Right. I mean, his his reactions to all this is just priceless. Well, she's asking about circus tents. So. <laughs> <laughs> and while he's just like, you can just see him going, Grr, he's getting more and more anxious and agitated. And he looks over. April's shoulder and he sees Anne walking in from the hallway into the bullpen oh, with yeah. a large array of red balloons, yeah. which given all this freaking talk about what he can only assume are, you know, his birthday plans, he assumes that these red balloons are for him, the birthday boy, you know? And so he rushes over to Anne and just, and at first Anne's like, oh, hi, Ron. And he's just like, pop, 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 poppity, pop, pop. And she's no, no. And she grabs it. And then yanks it away. He pops one more just for good measure, you know, one to grow on. Uh, and, and and until he learns he's maybe a little bit embarrassed, but maybe not that they, they, they weren't for him. They were for a sick child at the hospital. I know. <laughs> and maybe he's not embarrassed by that because then he just says to Anne, my office now, like he's going to find out what's going on. Look, Mark, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. And if that includes popping all the balloons for, you know, some kid named what was it? Uh Tyrone. Tyrone, yeah. Yeah. Get well, Tyrone. Not. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Get well without helium. Well, meanwhile, back at the Eagleton Forum, yeah. Tom is having difficulty making decisions, faced with so many choices about, you know, things like what to eat. <laughs> yeah. So here's the setup as the scene starts. Um, 
I think I think Leslie is at the front of the room now. I think Lindsay has introduced her and she has. She's at the podium, I think. She, right? she, she's at the podium. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she is at yeah. the microphone. Well, well yeah. said. And she's she's giving her shtick, her speech to the to the Eagleton uh, public forum, you know, the, the gathered crowd. And um, like so Lindsay is at the front of the at the front of the room with her. Like if you're standing a few feet away from her and Ben, I think, is at the back of the room looking on. And, and Tom is at the crepe station. <laughs> so he's trying to figure out. Like, you know, was sort of a porcini mushrooms, uh, andouille sausage sort of a thing he's going to get. Holy cow, it sounds delicious. Um, So anyway, Leslie finishes up her speech and a few uh, Eagletonians. Yeah, Eagletonians. The Eagleton citizens. Yeah. Stand up to give polite slash uh, snobbish rebuttals with the general consensus being essentially, you know, Pawnee needs to clean themselves up with all due respect. And uh Leslie cuts Leslie off before she can even finish, like kind of talking down to her like this. It kind of ends with her telling the crowd, oh, we're trying to help Pawnee. Give it up for Leslie. Isn't she trying her hardest? Isn't it cute? (laughs) She's so cute and so good. She practically pats her on the head. Oh, my God. So I don't think that Leslie made a lot of headway. She really didn't. No. I I also love the dichotomy of our two public forums. You know, typically at a a Pawnee public forum, you have these crazy, crazy citizens shouting at each other down, uh, you know, definitely not being kind to each other. You know, Bertram Rollins gets up and says, hello, I'm Bertram Rollins, citizens of Eagleton. And then, you know, followed by Christine Porter. Hello, I'm Christine Porter. So, you know, the two are a little different. Yeah. Well, it's nice that the Eagletonians can support one another for simply existing and being citizens. Well, I mean, that's really, you know, just showing up, Mark. That's all they got to do. <laughs> Eagleton. Lord. Yeah, I guess. And, and get me another crepe while you're up, would you please? Eagleton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark, the, the the one thing I did like about that scene that we didn't mention yet was, you know, Christine Porter, who, who we just applauded for. She says, she says, I want to respectfully say that I'm in favor of the fence. I see it as a kind of punishment uh, <laughs> for Pawnee so that it might inspire the town to clean up its act. Oh, yeah. Rubble, 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 yeah. rubble, rubble. Very nice job, Christine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You... And I think it was right after that. I mean, Ben always does this, but it was especially then where Ben kind of looks from the woman back to Leslie with like a confused, disbelieving look on his face. Like, like are he, you he's kidding me? Yeah. I mean, Ben doesn't get it, but this time he shouldn't get it. That That's a good point. Y'all. Nice job. Well, another thing I was, you made me remember the thing I wanted to say here before we move on. Seeing Ben at the back of the room, kind yeah. of watching Leslie do her thing up front. Yeah. I don't know if this is the first time, but it is a thing and will be a thing for the rest of the series as she gets into politics. And he's always kind of there as the kind of behind the scenes guy. Yes. Uh, and him up against the wall in the back of the room, it becomes a very common spot for Ben from this point forward. Yes. And I just, it dawned on me visually when I saw it. You know what? That is actually a very, very good point. I think I was distracted by that point because as I saw Ben at the back of the room, I looked over Ben's shoulder, open bar. No. Well, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying he doesn't visit the other open bars. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, back at Ron's office, Ron is grilling Anne and her one remaining balloon about Leslie's plans to, Mark, I'm going to call this humiliate him. Mm. You like that word? I do. Yeah. I do. On his birthday. So, uh, yeah, the, the humiliate, in case you're not following, is, you know, humiliate and celebrate all in the same notion. 
I, I, I could I not. I feel like Eagletonians might have invented this. I don't have the sneakers chip necessary to crack that code, but that was actually really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I think you're telling me. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Mark, should we play this scene? I know this was another one we talked about potentially playing. Yes. Yes. Let's do that. I'm only going to ask you this once. What is going on with my birthday? Oh, my God, Ron, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Shut your damn mouth. It's <laughs> a fun conversation. Just tell me what <laughs> Leslie is planning. Honestly, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Why don't you tell me what she did for your last birthday? Oh, well, that was intense. She totally surprised me. She kidnapped me from work, and then she took me to that place in your <laughs> Vegas, you know, where the mariachi band comes out. They put a big sombrero on you, and then everybody sings happy birthday. Damn it. And then we went back to my house, and she invited basically everyone I knew. And she had this great guy doing face painting, and I had my face painted like a fairy tiger. Ugh. Also, she did it like a week before my birthday, which is genius, because I had no idea it was coming. And then there was a bouncy castle. Did you know they made those for adults? <laughs> I think Ron's about to pass out by the end of that. You know, I, I've watched this episode four or five times, and every time I do, I'm I'm taking stock of Nick Offerman's reactions as Ron, and and I keep on I keep on trying to come up with good descriptive adjectives, yeah. like from nauseous, from, uh, nauseous, uh, uh, constipated, uh, uh, someone's like doing, using fingernail screws yeah. to him, yeah. uh, you know. I, well, I think he'd much rather get caught in the jungle and tortured uh, for information about anything than be here hearing this. Oh, yeah. 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 Without a doubt. And and I also like how, uh, you know, Anne stood up to him a little at first, but then she's just like, oh, yeah. You know, and she's like really into yeah. telling him all about it. I think yeah. oblivious to how much pain he's in. Much to our chagrin. Yeah. Well, back at the Eagleton Forum, Tom is continuing to sample the gourmet options at the crepe bar, but Leslie's had enough and wants to leave. And Ben as well, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, so Leslie's at a point where she's ready to go. So she gathers up Ben and Tom to leave, and, uh, and, and, and she's kind of annoyed that they both are enjoying the crepe station, including Ben. Um, in the car ride back to Pawnee, while Tom ooze and Oz over the gift bags that they received uh, from the, the Eagleton uh, public forum there, Leslie <laughs> confides to Ben that five years ago, Eagleton offered her the job of parks director and she talked it over with Lindsay and they made a pact to stay in Pawnee together and Leslie turned down the job and they offered it to Lindsay and she took it and said, see ya. <laughs> So wow. A little bit of an explanation as to like a, the history there, you know, it explains a lot, actually. Yeah, it really does. And I, I suspect that maybe just maybe part of Lindsay's motivation to be who she is, is rooted in guilt about uh, stabbing Leslie in the back. You think so? Maybe. No, no, not really. No. Okay. I think she's a horrible person. Yeah, me too. Needs to go. Yeah, she needs yeah. to go. Yeah. I do love, though, that uh, <laughs> there's a theme of gift bags in this episode. And this is the first one of them where, you know, the forum has a gift bag and there's an iPod touch in there. Oh, my gosh. And, and Verbena scented candles, Mark. I don't you don't see those around. No, anymore. you really don't. No. I don't even know what those are, to be honest. They smell like. Well, I don't either. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> they said Verbena. I just assumed they meant vanilla bean, but I don't think that's right. I assume they meant something. I didn't know what it was. That's no, I was exactly right. right. You were right. Nice <laughs> Nailed job. it. You <laughs> Nailed it. Well, an increasingly desperate Ron tries to trick Chris now into blocking Leslie's attempts to plan at this party and realizes that there's probably no stopping her. 
he's Ron's in Chris's office and he like you said, he's desperate at this point. He just basically is trying to brute force his way out of this by saying, I need you to send Leslie away. And oh, by the way, take April with her. And oh, by the way, go ahead and freeze their bank, bank accounts. <laughs> and Chris being very Chris is like, you know, are you are you uh, disappointed with her work? Is it unsatisfactory? It's like, no, it has nothing to do with her work. And, you know, he didn't want to get into it. But Chris is like, no, 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 you can talk to me. So Ron confides in him, I guess, and says, well, it's it's my birthday on Friday. And Chris goes, hey, happy birthday, Ron. Grabs his big Ron face, gives him a big kiss right on the lips. To say that Ron looks horrified is the understatement of the year. Holy cow. I'm not sure Ron's day could be any worse. Yeah. And what is it now? It's still it's, it's still Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, we're still on Wednesday. So, yeah, we'll see where this goes. And he has a, he ends it with a talking head like he has just had it. And he says, oh, yeah. he says to the camera and thus to us, yeah. he says, you know, I'm ending this right now. I'm just going to leave early and go home. Big pause. Unless, big pause, that's exactly what she wants me to do. So now see, she's in his head. She's living rent free in there, Mark. Yeah. 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 Well, brilliant. I, you know, I, I'd like to believe that Leslie was that dastardly, but I don't know. I Maybe. But she's definitely gotten into his head. That part is, there's no getting around that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm starting to feel for him. I mean, I'm sure that whatever <laughs> Leslie's got planned is going to be horrifically exciting. Yes. 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 Well, over at Lafayette Community Park, Mark, this mm. park has seen better days. And apparently that was before the Parks Department decided to dump even more garbage here just to piss off Eagleton. Oh, holy yikes. Yeah. So what we have here, besides a failure to communicate, is the gang. Well, the gang minus Ron, Ann and Chris, I guess. But everybody else yeah. is, is there, like you said, at Lafayette Community Park, which is the one with you know the fence that's shared with Eagleton. Yeah. And we see a pickup truck full of garbage bags and it's been backed up to the fence and and leslie and the gang are standing outside by the by the the, the pickup truck full of garbage and and she tells them all right start taking them and, and hurling them over the fence to the eagleton side because screw them you know and andy's really excited about this by the way because he likes to throw garbage i, I, I didn't <laughs> know if you knew that but Ben, very much in character, kind of talks Leslie down a little bit and says, yeah. you, you know, I don't know. You really want to do this. This is you're kind of playing right into their into their hands. And so she's like, yeah, 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 you're right. We need to call a halt to it, which he was kind of upset about. But just in time for Lindsay, of all people, to come up to them, walking her dog, Sambuca. Carrying, of course, because why not? Because why not? Carrying a takeout container from JJ's diner, nonetheless, and 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 she, you know, she's very Lindsay, which means she just starts dumping all over them and insulting them all over again, blah blah blah. And and it seems like momentarily Tom's going to take a stand, but then it turns out that he's only like raising his voice forcefully to say, "You need to take my resume." It's like, come on, dude. And shove it right in your HR department slot. Oh, burn. So, you know, not real effective, but kind of funny. And Leslie insists that Lindsay is still a Pawnee girl. And she tries to highlight that point by the takeout container that she has from JJ's diner, which I thought, you know what? That's kind of an interesting point. Why does she they have both that? love JJ's, right? What, That's what we're thinking at this what, point. What person in the right mind wouldn't? Yeah. Right. Lindsay, 
very quick on her feet there, says, no, you know, these look, these waffles make great laxatives for her dog. And then and then and then comes one of, comes one of the greatest lines in the entire episode. It. And maybe the series. Oh, my God. It's Leslie saying, quote, don't you dare feed that waffle to that dog to get it to poop. <laughs> and then Lindsay is like taking the bait, like almost sneering, almost oh, yeah. sneering. She takes the waffle and just looking right at Leslie's face. And she leans down and gives it to her dog and tension fills the air. And I, you watch and, and April's kind of grabbing Leslie's elbow like Leslie, <laughs> Leslie. And it is on. And then Leslie just says, oh, that's it. And she rushes Lindsay. And now it's just like big time wrestling. Like Leslie grabs her and bodily throws her onto the giant pile of garbage and then then does like a flying leap and splash and right and right off the turnbuckle. I mean, it, it gets intense. And of course, Andy's, you know, get her, Leslie. Garbage fight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and yeah. And so everything is everybody's screaming and mass hysteria. And I think Andy, you know how little kids, Alan, when they get too hyped up, they just get like too too hyper and now they're just like almost uncontrollable. I it's feel, like Andy's been eating Halloween candy all yes, day. Yes, and I feel yeah. like that's what happened because all of a sudden Andy is so excited by everything going on. Andy A yells garbage fight. B he picks up a huge oh, yeah. bag of garbage and three he destroys Tom. I mean he <laughs> flies back like six feet. He absolutely demolishes uh, him. I think the bag of garbage was half as big as Tom is. Oh, uh, so good. Well, Andy was so excited that he was going to get to throw the garbage at first, but I think this actually turned out better for him in the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, things get a little out of hand here now. And Mark, we've got the 5-0 on the scene. Oh. And all that's really left to do is have uh, Dano book her or them or somebody. Here I come the popo. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're still at the site of <clears throat> the garbage fight. Yeah. Um, so we once again see one of our favorite people, Pawnee Police Chief Trumple. Yes. Um, Chief Trumple. And and he's now on the scene with a couple of uniformed officers and, and you know, to, to represent the Pawnee side, if you will. Well, sure. Yeah. And they are soon joined by a a quartet of Segway driving Eagletonian officers uh, arriving in perfect formation. They reminded me of TIE fighters from Star Wars. Right. It's just stay on the leader. Um, So Leslie and maybe not as intimidating on their segways, but maybe not But close. But, you know, good formation. Yeah. And and so Leslie and Lindsay are mad. They're really mad. And they talk to each of their respective town's police forces to arrest the other. Oh, of course. And Trumple, I think in, in, he's very common sense and down to earth, right? So he just says, look, you, how about you apologize to each other and walk away? How about we play that game? And they said, no, we don't like that game. And he said, well, you, the alternative is jail time. So maybe you play that game. And they're like, no, we're not going to play that game. So they're, they're very stubborn. And neither one of them said they're sorry. And they're just staring at each other and long, awkward silence. And then it cuts <laughs> really quick to um, uh, <laughs> looks like jail time for both ladies. So it, it seemed to have backfired a little bit on Lindsay here because Lindsay, the the proper posh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, fancy uh, Eagletonian that she is, you know, we see her being thrown in a dingy Pawnee jail cell <laughs> with the cell door closing with an ominous boom behind her. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, uh, she's scared straight now. And then we cut over to Leslie being escorted into 
a like spa? A, a, a very posh Eagleton holding cell. Could be a spa. Yeah. A colored in soft pink with soft music playing in the background and a sign display that reads, true change comes from within these walls. I mean, oh, this oh place makes God. most hotel rooms look like alley dumpsters. I mean, it's unreal. Well, doesn't the officer say, we hope you enjoy your stay yes. here at the Eagleton Holding Cell? May I offer you anything? Herbal tea, Greek yogurt? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Mark, uh, back at the garbage fight, though, before we move on, this is where my my AKA came from. You know, uh, oh, yeah. Trumple says, you know, yeah. I think my Eagleton colleagues would agree that you guys pretty much got to apologize. And yeah. Leslie says, I will never apologize to her. And Lindsay says, nor I her. And Leslie goes, nor I her. Right. She's mocking her. I doth proclaim thee to be a stupid fart face. And, and then I love the next two lines because <laughs> Lindsay is now oh, yeah, yeah, taking yeah. the bit or, yeah. or taking the bait. And she's like, nice retort. Did GB Shaw? write that for you did gb shaw write your stupid fart face you go uh, leslie you get her i thought we were going to see more garbage being thrown by the end of this i know but jail it is yep well speaking of that mark we cut to the next day it's wednesday morning and all is not well judging by the unkempt ron and wrinkled underclothes and again i was a little confused by this i i'm not sure i understand his thought that sleeping at the office is safer than going home the only thing I could figure is that he's altering his known, somewhat predictable schedule by doing ah. the unexpected. That's the only thing I okay. could figure. Okay, well, maybe that's how you avoid the kidnap squad. Maybe. Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> maybe because you know it's out there. Fair enough. So, yeah. And he does have the Claymore mine in his office if he things get really bad. That's true. <laughs> so this scene opens with the, the third time this episode. We see a black screen in all white letters Wednesday. So we're on the third day. Yep. Andy walks into Ron's office and he's a bit surprised at what he sees with, you know, Ron wearing their white undershirt. His, his hair is kind of messed up, his pompadour there. The pompadour. And um, Andy offers Ron a free shoe shine because <clears throat> his birthday is coming up. And Ron realizes, like, what? who who, who, who told you? Who, yeah. who, who's yeah. the little birdie that told yeah, you this? Yeah, yeah. And Ron desperately gets Andy to try and tell him the details of Leslie's plan. But Andy tells Ron, although he loves him, you know what? Leslie swore me to secrecy and, and, and I owe her so much I can't ruin it for her, which he, Ron is really disappointed. But I think he kind of respects Andy for saying that. I, I think so, too. I, I, I love Andy's, you know, try, in defense of himself, right? He's like, look, Ron, I, I love you like a father who's not that much older than me. Right. You know, like a young uncle. Or right. Like you're my camp counselor. Right. But we hang out and it's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> Or actually, you know what it is? You're my lacrosse that coach. Was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, God. And then at the very end, so Ron's like, you know what? This sucks, but I can respect it. So, yeah. you know, all right. So no hard feelings, you know? So, so, all right, see you later. Yeah. And then and Andy says, well, no, not if I see it. you first, because uh, I probably will on account of Leslie assigned me to the kidnap squad. And then two things, you, you see Andy kind of like putting his fist to his to his forehead on his way out. Yeah, like he, he's Homer Simpson. Like he yeah. let that slip. He yeah. don't. And, nope. and then you see Ron practically on the verge of hyperventilating like he is so worried and strung out and miserable at this point like he he thinks an attack is going to come from every angle yeah the words kidnap squad might have done it done him done him in <laughs> i think you're right well mark back at the eagleton jailhouse uh we find that you know it has a lot in common with the community meeting room uh both are slightly posher than their pawnee counterparts yep. and there are gift bags yep that's right well 
Leslie's bestie, Anne, yeah. arrives at the Eagleton police station to pick up Leslie in her fancy posh holding cell with a luxurious purple throw draped around her. Hey, Jailbird. With a platter of scones at her side. <laughs> Man, this place is great. It really yeah. is. Yeah, I think I want to get arrested the next time I'm hungry. Okay. No there. kidding. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anne asks Leslie, why are you letting Lindsay get to you? Because I don't think that she completely understands that the, the mechanics at play here. And Leslie tells her it's because they were best friends. And then she sold out everything they believed in. And the worst part is that to Lindsay, it's like their friendship never happened. Yeah. And Anne tries to comfort Leslie, uh, you know, not by Paxel this time, but I actually true friendship by reminding her that, you know, she had the job offer first and that's got to drive Lindsay nuts. Yeah. And also, by the way, just to let you know, Leslie, you say the word and I'll go to town on her with a <laughs> baseball bat, which 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 was kind of comforting. Like, and that yep. made Leslie smile. Yeah. But it also seemed to spark an idea. Well, that's a good seg segue, Mark. It is now Friday, and we didn't see what the team actually did on the rest of the day Wednesday or even the whole day Thursday. But based on this next scene at Lafayette Community Park, I can tell you that it was time well spent. It certainly looks like that. So now, for the like you said, for the fourth time uh, in this episode, we open this scene with a black screen with all white letters, Friday. Um, and we see a new scoreboard displaying the text, Sweetums Stadium at Lafayette Park for the Pawnee Wiffleball League. And a large audience is there watching the game, including the gang, minus Chris and Ron, I think, yeah, but everybody yeah. else is there. Um, Lindsay walks up and asks what's going on. And Leslie and tells. And the park looks beautiful. Oh, it does. It's like it looks a beautiful. Well kept baseball diamond. The trash is gone. The debris is gone. The no raccoons at this point. I know. I know. I thought maybe the raccoons would make their own league. Yeah. But holy cow, <laughs> this one, that's a good point. It, it really does look beautiful. It does. And Lindsay walks up and asks what's going on. And Leslie tells her she decided to make use of the Eagleton high quality wood fence, something Pawnee could never afford, by the way, right. and form a wiffle ball league, which, by the way, several Eagletonian kids signed up for. And Lindsay seems quietly stunned by all this. Mm -hmm. And it may be a little impressed. I think she was a little impressed. And at this point, Leslie decides to extend an olive branch one more time. And she asks Lindsay if she wants to get a beer at Sullivan's. Mm. And Lindsay smiles and looks like she's considering it, you know, clearly impressed, like you said, by, by what Leslie's done. Well, you know, and, and they have that little exchange where she says, you know, what if someone hits a home run? How will you get your ball back? And he, she says, well, one of the many Eagleton kids who signed up will just pop over and grab it. That's right. So, you know, I think Leslie's ready to kind of move on from this. And uh, like you said, she puts the olive branch out and uh, Lindsay says, well, I, I do have that sweatshirt. Yep. I know you do. <laughs> Uh, so and then you know that little thing there at the end says you did all this in a day and leslie says yeah i work with some really great people so you know that's what i think they've done for their last day and a half and boy did they get a lot done i'm gonna well, need to have them over at my house mark i mean Lindsay worked with leslie you know for for i, I you would imagine for quite a while so, so she has to be familiar with what we would lovingly call our trope superhuman leslie that's a good point you know that's a very good point yeah 
Well, back at the park's office, it's Friday night and Leslie enters to find that Ron looks exactly like he did the last time we saw him on Wednesday. (laughs) He is clearly ready to get this nightmare over with and uh, move on. That's right. It's 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 now dark out. So, I mean, I'm assuming it's like Friday evening, like the the night lamps are starting to come on. And um, Leslie comes up to Ron in his office and he's still in his white undershirt and messed up hair. So he's not had a really good time of it. No. And 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 Leslie says, hey, that's gosh, Ron, that's that's weird. Ben and Chris want us to go into conference room C for a meeting. That's God, that's weird, huh? And Ron kind of sighs <laughs> and he stands up he's very resigned at this point you know he puts on his jacket and says, let's get this over with like i like eeyore yeah and at this point he's just completely given up he's resigned himself to whatever yeah leslie has horrific surprise party she has waiting for him whatever her equivalent is of claymore minds claymore <laughs> minds of thoughtfulness that's what she has in store for him. so good So Leslie and Ron walk down the hall towards the conference room and you see Ron kind of mugged to the camera pitifully and they arrive at the conference room and Leslie opens the door and Ron kind of recoils nervously like a bear was going to come out of it or something. It's like he's shell shocked. I think she's gotten so deep into his consciousness here, his, his psyche, that he is just scared to death. Yeah, but it's quiet and they both enter this room. And Leslie beams at him and says, softly, happy birthday, Ron. And and so just a quick description. Yeah, so the, I think that's due. The, the room has no people in it. And yeah. in fact, it doesn't even have a lot of furniture. No. In it. We see a round table yeah. with a white tablecloth, yeah. uh, a fancy, a comfortable chair. Like a leather high back chair. Yes. Very, very cozy. Yep. Yep. And a small table to the left of the chair with a lamp emitting a soft, hearty glow. Yeah. The, 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 the larger round table holds a huge steak. Oh, yeah. A plate full of bacon, <laughs> a baked potato, yeah. several dips, a bottle of Lagavulin, yeah. and an empty glass. Yeah. And to top it all off, over the back of the fancy chair, there's a bib draped over it that mm-hmm. reads... Mulligan Steakhouse. Very nice. As a matter of fact, Alan, the, the rest of this is so good. Uh, let's have Constantine play the rest of this. Yeah, let's do that. He's uh, really not been working very hard. No. Happy birthday, Ron. Anne said you had a big party. Sombreros, karaoke. Yeah, I did that for Anne. Why would I throw Ron Swanson and Ann Perkins' party? What about the giant list of things April was doing? That was just a list of ways to mess with you. <laughs> she do them all? She did indeed. So, I have rented Bridge on the River Kwai and the Dirty Dozen. Artie from security is outside the door, so no one will bother you. And a cab will be here whenever you're ready to take you home. Thank you. Do you remember what you said to me five years ago when Eagleton offered me that job and I asked you for your advice? Uh, do whatever the hell you want. What do I care? Right, but then... After, when I pressed you, what did you say? I believe I said that I thought we worked well together and that I might disagree with your philosophy, but I respected you. And I said that you'll get a lot of job offers in your life, but you only have one hometown. Yes, that's how I remember it. 
This, by the way, is a one-time only situation. Next year, your birthday party is going to be a rager. <laughs> uh, so, well, one, it's funny, but it's also really sweet. I mean, she did something really super thoughtful. Not shocking that it's, that Leslie would do that, but man. The, this, I think, was, was in, in its own way, I think this was maybe one of the most touching scenes I've seen to date. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, they did so much so well. I, I'm going to say perfectly in this scene. It, yeah. it, it's hard for me to emphasize enough exactly how much I love this scene. It's so, so, so good. And even though Constantine was cl- kind enough to play that clip. Thank you, Constantine. What doesn't come across in addition to the the, the script and their voice inflections, yeah. it's just the 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 the, um, the, the their facial expressions, yeah. you know, mutual admiration. I mean, just really, yeah. really good. Yeah. So I, I think he's mm. he's glad the torture's over, but I think it's worth it to him. And he knows that, you know, Leslie gets him and he obviously gets her and, uh, you know, they're going to be there for each other for a long time. Plus, I mean, in, in its own way, I feel like this is also a great reveal. Right. Because because we yeah. didn't know what what shenanigans Leslie, but no. we thought it was going to go this way. I love way. the fact that and we she's didn't like, know. Oh, me too. Yeah, me too. And I have more to say about that later. Excellent. Yep. All right. Well, Mark, I think all that's left the kicker and uh, it's really just the completion of the scene where we see Ron kind of sitting alone in the room, uh, you know, enjoying this lovely gift that Leslie has given him. And we have no dialogue and it's totally apropos. It is. Well said, and I I have nothing to add to it. It is just the conclusion of one of the best scenes yeah. in this in this season, and maybe in the series. I think we go out with him watching the bridge and the river Kwai. It's yep. you know he hasn't made it to the dirty dozen yet. You know, right. We don't stick around for that, but uh, you know he's he's looking at a large screen TV across from his leather comfy chair and enjoying his steak and his lagavulin. Nice nice gift. Yep. Nice wrap up to the episode. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Fade to black. Fade to black. All right, Mark. Well, let's take a quick break. Grab a glass of Lagavulin ourselves. And uh, when we come back, we'll finish this thing up. All right. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello. This is Ron Swanson. As continuing community service to my city of Pawnee, Indiana, I am here to tell you today about the brave men and women of the Pawnee Police Department. They are a shining example for our community and worthy of your gratitude and minor glorification. Are you a youth? Are you generally up to no good? I am talking to you, Pachytus, and your ilk, the 'er ne'er-do-wells of Pawnee. I tell you today that unless you want to wind up on the wrong side of the bars, you must make a change for the better and get right with the Lord and also the Pawnee Police Department. But Ron, how, you may say, join the psych. That is the P-S-Y-C-H, the Pawnee Summer Youth Campers and Helpers. Yes, get psyched this summer and learn about why it is better to be the Popo than to be chased, handcuffed, and forcibly detained by said Popo, which is the path you are currently on, Pachytus. Spend your summer learning to be a respectable individual in service to others and let great examples like Officer Dave Sanderson tell you about why they made the commitment to serve our community in this great capacity. So put down that carton of eggs and seal up that case of toilet paper and make plans to get psyched this summer. Thank you. 
That is all. All right. Well, we're back, everybody. Well, Mark, as we usually do at this point, I'll talk through deleted scenes really quick. We only had about two minutes and 12 seconds of deleted scenes. And really, it was yeah. just principally two different scenes. Right, right. Um, the, the first scene is really, I think, you know, Ron is desperately trying to hide from the kidnap squad. He's not yes. going home. So he ducks in a meeting room and happens to find a meeting, you know, of the admin committee or some such in there. And right. uh, basically kind of somewhat takes over briefly to, in order to hide out and kick somebody out of his chair. It's pretty funny. But, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, he apparently later we come back and he's, you can tell that everyone is done, ready to go home. Oh yeah. Chris says, we can't talk about this anymore because I got to get out of here and poop. Yeah. So. And yeah. he had told himself in flu season to stop pooping. Stop, it didn't work. It didn't take. No. No. no he's turtling. Yeah, he's, he's turtling. Gotta, yeah, he's got to get totally. out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other scene is, uh, you know, I think it's Tom and Ben. They it, uh, they're talking about scent coordination or some such craziness. And uh, <laughs> Lindsay comes up. And I think this is that scene right as she finds that this ball game is going on, this wiffle ball. Right. Wiffle ball league. Right. And uh, they try to stop her, but she pretty much are just past them and then they yeah, just get out of my way dan yeah and then they get in her escalade and check it out so, yeah yeah so that's pretty much it that's what happens when you leave your escalade open you get you get hangers on you would think they're in a dangerous pawnee she wouldn't have uh she would have locked that car i know yeah well mark how about first uh tropes and fun facts and goofs and all that great stuff uh, how'd you work how'd you work it out this week yeah i i had a, a little bit of everything so i first i didn't do now that i look at it, i didn't do that well with my first yeah. i i had um and this is something I, I credit to you in when we recorded uh, our podcast for Jerry's painting at the very end, when we were mentioning our upcoming episode, which we're recording now of yeah. Eagleton. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You had mentioned that it is we're, you're looking forward to it because it's the first time that we see <clears throat> that Eagleton. There you go. Yep. <laughs> spit on the ground, which which, by the way, every time that we've done that or I've done that, it reminds me very much of the great show Corner Gas oh, yeah. with, with the way that they are towards Woolerton. <laughs> This That's right. Spit on the ground. This yeah. cracks me up. So I think this is the first time it's really they view Eagleton as a, as a rival, like it's antagonistic. Would you agree? I would agree that, that this is the first time we've seen that Eagleton. And then the the other first, and I don't really think this is a first now that I look closely at it, is, uh, you know, uh, Parker Posey, the great Parker Posey, plays Lindsay Carlisle Shea, uh, which I really like as a character and kind of like fleshing out the whole uh, uh, yeah. Parks and Rec universe, yeah. especially yeah. for Leslie. Oh, sure. And. It's a first for her, of course, but I don't think that she appears again. No, unfortunately, it's a last. I think uh, they changed it up. That? Well, I think I think I'm going to assume it was a scheduling conflict because really Kristen Bell becomes the face of Eagleton later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. So, and we get quite a few different episodes with her in it. So yeah, I remember. So what what did I miss? What else do you have for first? I, I had the same. I had, you know, the quote, real Eagleton, that Eagleton. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had uncomfortable Ron because I think, you know. I, I, he's such a cool operator most of the time. You can't, you know, stuff just rolls right off of him. Boy, did it sink in on this one. It did not roll off of him at all. You know what? I, I totally agree with that. He's, he's usually so indomitable that, that he, yeah, you're, 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 you're not going to take him off of his feet. Um, we've seen him uncomfortable kind of like like uh, we've seen him be in situations where he would rather not be in like for example oh, sure. when he was in the public i remember when um 
uh, in summer catalog when he was at the picnic with the former park directors and yep. he was not real happy yeah. about that at all. But yeah, this is different. Well, but he was holding his own and kind of jabbing the other parks director, the ex park director. He was so. more in control of what was happening. Yeah. Here he's like, no, he's out of control. He is at Leslie's mercy. He is at Leslie. Well put. Yep. Yep. How about uh, tropes or, or fun facts, Mark? Tropes at five. Okay. So we have uh, Ben Muggs to the camera, which it. he did a lot. Yep. Uh, I had Superhuman Leslie. Nice. So great job of, you know, putting together that there wiffle ball thing. In a day and a half. In yeah. a day and a half, which is impressive. Um, and she probably quilted a pillow. She probably she embroidered a pillow while she did it. Just to um, commemorate the moment. I had, I don't know if we're including locations as tropes. I, if we are, I said JJ's Diner and I also said Mulligan's Steakhouse. Yeah, I mean, they're thematically included in the episode. Sure. Yeah, yeah as a dog laxative. And you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one I had, and I almost didn't put this, but then at the end it crept in, FDR, Food Driven Ron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he is in, in hog's heaven there. No he pun really intended is. with the bacon. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's How about a good you? Point. Uh, you know, I had uh, Crazy Pawnians, you know, oh, nice. as a trope, yep, obviously. Yep. Yeah, we had that Pawnee Town Hall, and then we saw our first Eagleton Town Hall, of course. Um you know, I, I wrote it down, but I'm realizing now that I think it's just permanently burned into my spreadsheet because I'm not sure there was any punching bag, Jerry. Do we have any here? I don't think that there was. I think it's a zero. I think it's a zero. As a matter of fact, I was looking for that and I was looking for OMG open mouth grin. Yeah. And there were a few times that Tom grinned Almost, big yeah. at Lindsay. Yeah. But to me, a true OMG is where Tom explicitly turns to us, like yes. breaking the, yeah, fourth breaks wall the fourth wall and yeah. looks at the camera and yeah. goes, beep. And yeah. we didn't see any of that. Yeah. This I time. almost hear that sound now when I see it because you do it so often. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, the only other one I had was, you know, kind of uh, the, I mentioned this earlier. We met Thomas Haverford when Brandy met. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now we've got Thomas Montgomery Haverford. Proper Thomas. Proper Thomas. Yep. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's see if he continues to expand on that. I, I did not remember this. Yeah, me neither. But yeah. you're, you're right. Those two happen so close together and it just seems like too much of a coincidence yeah, that we'll he keep a watch fully out. introduced himself. That's right. Yeah. We'll see if he gets three middle names at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a one goof, but no fun facts. How about you? I had a fun fact, but no goof. Oh, well, you go first. All right. Well, my goof is I don't have a goof and you can <laughs> do that one. And then my fun fact is... um. This is dumb. <laughs> but Leslie, as long as it's fun, when, when, when Anne's telling Ron yeah. all about the, her birthday party, and like she, and, and part of what Anne told him is that she invited uh, Leslie invited everyone that she knew. Well, clearly she didn't invite everyone that she knew because apparently Ron wasn't invited because he didn't know what the hell happened with her birthday party. So you know, yeah. I guess it's a pseudo fun fact, pseudo goof. Yeah, I think it is. I, <laughs> I think it know. qualifies. Yeah, but but I mean, but it's very in keeping with Ron's character because I think Leslie would be like, uh, he's not gonna, he's not gonna want to go. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's anyway, a good point. What do yep. you have? Um, the only it's it's technically a goof. I think it's probably pr- realistically. I think it's a decision that was made by the writing team mm-hmm. to take this idea and expound on it and maybe go a little bit different direction. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that, you know, at one point early in the series, they mentioned Eagleton. It's a couple towns over. Mm. Uh, obviously, there's a fence now separating Eagleton and Pawnee. So right. they made a change to a geolocation. Oh, so yeah. he qualifies under the goof, you know, header, I suppose. But um, I'm glad they did it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. Because we want Eagleton is so nuts. We want oh, them close yeah. by. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can only do so much crazy Pawnee, right? I think you need this dichotomy, this other thing to compare Pawnee to now. And we have that in Eagleton. I love well, it. Well, what makes Pawnee pop more than having the bizarro Pawnee over well, in Eagleton? You know what? Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. And the comic book nerds out there will love that. So nice job. <laughs> well, Mark, I think uh, we should get into our scores then. All right. Let's get into it. Did, did you bring in the supercomputer to calculate your score today? <laughs> <Meep> morp. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I talked to the upper brass and I told them what I wanted to do. And they said, okay. That's right. You have to check everything with them now, right? Is that the current everything. protocol? My God. Okay. And I and they, they said, okay. And then they looked at me and said, but watch it. So this is what I got to watch it. So the reason I'm saying this uh, is I'm going to crown co-MVPs. And uh, so the co-MVPs are- And you've done this maybe twice before, if I, I have. recall. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope was who I was originally just going to flat out give this to. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard to beat her sometimes because she so often serves, not only is she extremely talented and funny, yeah. and, and arguably she's the protagonist of the show, kind of, so it, it kind of makes sense too. Yeah, that's true. But- I think that it's hard to beat her because she's often the glue that holds everything together, et cetera, which is pretty impressive. But I'm also going to give it to Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. And part of this is because I, I am personally self-admitting as I'm such a Ron fanboy. Um, but yes, but yes, but I, this may not have been the episode with the most lines of Swanson dialogue, but all. his true superpower in this episode was his sheer genius in the many reactions that he had to, to it's Leslie, the unsaid. to Leslie. Yes, yes. Yes. To April, to, mm. to, to, to Leslie, to Andy, to Ann, to Chris, you, you name it. I mean, um, just, yeah. just, you just love to watch him cringe. Like we've talked about the difference sometimes between the office and yeah. parks and rec and like, they kind of lean maybe a little bit more into yeah. the cringe. That doesn't mean the cringe is bad. It, no, it as doesn't. a matter of fact, when you use it, sparingly sometimes it can pop even more you well know? And i think in that context cringe is usually us cringing at someone's terrible behavior which we're often want to do with tom for example <laughs> yeah uh, but to watch a character on the show get uncomfortable and cringe is a different thing and it, i found it very enjoyable as a matter of fact <laughs> well especially ron well yeah because it's about a character doesn't happen yeah, yeah. And so but the other thing I want to make note of here is, and to defend my position, uh, decision to the brass, well, sure. is for me, in, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like Leslie's relationship with Ron is kind of at the very heart of the show. And you can argue it differently. And I know people may see it differently. That's how I feel. And I so agree. not only are the characters of Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson, my favorites by far, Amy yep. Poehler and Nick Offerman have freaking hone their performance to an art form. So this is probably part of the reason I I awarded them both co-MVP. So a few additional notes. Um, (laughs) I love how even though Leslie, we know Leslie is awesome. We know Leslie is sweet and she's kind and she's talented and she's thoughtful, but she ain't no saint. No. And she has so much fun, just so much fun tormenting Ron in this episode, which I thought about it, and this presents some interesting symmetry to how Ron toyed with her in Woman of the Year. Oh, good point. Because, but one big difference, though, if you think about it, is in Woman of the Year, uh, 
Ron tells the audience from the beginning. Yes. That is, this is all prank. Yeah. The reveals up front. And I think that he did that so that he wouldn't come across as a a jerk. jerk. Yeah. Here though, you, you said this, I'm glad that they waited for the reveal. And I feel like it worked because Ron is usually so indomitable. He doesn't put himself in that situation. So I don't think it came across as mean just as much as funny. Well, and the other difference, and I love that comparison because it's excellent, is that, you know, Ron was there constantly poking at Leslie along the way leading <laughs> up to the award ceremony. Yeah. Here, what's even more brilliant about the way Leslie does it is she's not present. No. She's doing it through a proxy. She's yeah. doing it through April. Cat's paws. Yes. Yes. Very nice. That's what they call them. That's right. Yeah. So. So I, I love all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nice return, tip of the hat to Eric Pierpoint as Pawnee Police Chief Trumple. We like him. Yep, Chief Trumple. Um, yep. We talked about. Doesn't the- like Calzones, but we like him. No, Calzone. Hey, Calzone boy. Um, let's not call me that. Uh, a nice cameo. We mentioned this by Mike Scully. Yeah. Build a second fence around the fence. Yeah. Um, I got to get him to return my emails. And I think we've mentioned this a ton of times, but besides having been, you know, producer for Parks and Rec, blah, blah, blah. He's been a writer and producer for The Simpsons like forever. Yes. Um, and, and a little charming tidbit I got here from uh, Alan Sepinwall. Um, he the quote is, I, I'm also told that Scully agreed very reluctantly to do this cameo, that it was originally supposed to be just the one line about building the fence and that Amy Poehler, who both likes Scully and loves improv, asked him why is that? And it kind of forced him to come up with the answer on the spot, which was pretty good. Like he did a good job, you know, it was really funny. A, a couple small nitpicks. And I mean, that's extremely small nitpicks. Cause I thought this was a great, great episode. Um, it wasn't a bad use of use of the comedic bench, but it maybe is not their best. And maybe it's cause we've talked about sometimes our guest stars can pull away a little yeah, bit yeah. from time. I, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Chris, Donna and Jerry. Yeah. That's a small nitpick though. I mean, huh? they, they still did a decent job. And it's not like they weren't in any scenes, you know. They were kind of background players. They're kind of background. Yeah. Um, even, even Andy to a degree here. Um, but you know what? Tip of the hat to uh like to Chris yeah. that that I like him so much that I kind of wish that there's a little bit more in there, you know what yeah. I mean? Um I I wish they had written the end of the Lindsay plot line just a little bit differently. It, it seemed as though Lindsay did a little bit too quick of a 180 to be believable. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I love like, okay, their relationships on the mend and everything's going to happen. I love right. that. I love it ending yeah. on a happy note, but it seemed like she softened way too quickly for someone who acted like a beep towards Leslie, not only for this whole episode, but like for the last five years, you know what I mean? To all of a sudden go, hey, you know, OK, let's go get a beer at Sullivan's. So I don't know. I see your point. I, I don't disagree with it. And so I, I have to talk just really quick, too. I'll keep this brief on, on the episode ending. Oh, my gosh. This, this might be my favorite scene to date. This scene, this closing scene with comfort room C. Yes. 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 N- not Ron enjoying the dinner, but like Leslie giving him the big yeah, reveal. Yeah, yeah. That might be my favorite scene to date, period, between two individuals. It is so freaking perfect. And it's so touching. Like, it almost brought a tear to my eye. It's like so sweet. And so it encapsulates everything about Leslie that I love. Well, I I don't think we were expecting it fully. And like, we didn't know it was going to happen. We definitely didn't know what she was going to say about it. And so I think all those things made it even more enjoyable. I, I put down here, I was trying to be clever. You know yeah. how that goes. And so <laughs> I put down here, this ending perfectly encapsulates the love of a true friend and the friendship of a lovely person. Well done. And I, so I, there are three mentions by cast members of how much they love this scene. Mm. So first Mike Shore said, um, 
it's just very risky to do stuff like like that sometimes because if you haven't earned it, like if the audience doesn't think that you've earned it, That's then point. it comes across as a cloying plot or ploy for sentimentality. But mm. Amy and Nick are just so freaking good. And the relationship between Leslie and Ron is deep enough and it's broad enough that yeah. you can write something like that. And they just perform the hell out of it. Well, and we're here at the end of season three. They, I think if they tried this in, you know, a lot sooner in the series, we would it would have maybe come off differently. Right. Um, and, and I won't belabor this. It's just it's such such a good scene. Um, Rashida Jones said it, it made her cry. Oh, really? During during a, a cast read through of the script. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just that like that good. You it's know, that good. Yeah. Um, all right. <sighs> On to the crazy Mark rubric. Beep, 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 more. All right. So <laughs> I gave this I gave this a four point five base score. Okay. Pre- pretty high. It was a good A and B story. Funny moments, touching moments. It ran the gamut. I, I, you know, I had a small, very small nitpicks that I already mentioned. Otherwise, this may have gotten a five. Eh, I decided to give it a four point five for a base score at, at, instead. Um, I'm going to give a bonus point for a great performance by episode co-MVPs, Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. I'm going to give half a point for a good job by Parker, the great Parker Posey playing the antagonist, including the wonderful garbage fight scene uh, like big time wrestling. Um, I'm going to give. Half a point to another crazy Pawnee public forum, which we love, featuring the cameo by Mike Scully. Yep. I'm going to give a half point for Leslie's great solution to a perplexing problem. I like I thought it was clever, you know, what, what they ended up doing with it. I mean, I think it's always a little unrealistic when somebody pulls off something that big that quickly. But that's my only complaint. Otherwise, I love it. I'd agree with that. Yeah. 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 Um, so good writing. Yeah. Two days, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give half a point for expanding the Pawnee universe by giving us a glimpse into rich snooty uh, Eagleton. Yeah, we talked move. about that. Yeah. And I was trying to think about how many points to give this because I love it so much. I'm going to give a point and a half to the ending. Oh, wow. J- just the ending. It, it had, I, I don't think you've ever given that much pointage to any one thing. No. Yeah. No, the, the only thing I've even come close to, and it's when I hadn't honed my rubric quite as much, is there was, remember when Ron threw his back out? And so there's oh, yeah. a little side story. Yeah. I gave two points to the side story in totality, but oh, I've never it, given yeah. this much to one scene. To a scene. This sure. is so good. It's yeah. so well done. It's so perfect. This yeah. is this is maybe one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. It's so good. Um and, and I won't even belabor it more. I've talked about how much I love it. So you add all those crazy points up and you come up with nine little Sebastians. And I deliberated quite a bit with this one. I went back and forth a lot between a nine and a nine five. And my struggle being that the entire episode, maybe I could argue deserved a nine flat, but a few individual moments, including the ending were so good. I almost feel like it deserves a bump solely because of that i i ended up giving it a flat nine only because of the minor nitpicks because there are so many good episodes yeah i have to be judicious and even though it seems like i'm complaining i don't mean to but even if it's just little tiny nitpicks i'm going to be like okay you know what this is going to what separate the nines from the tens so i'm going to come in at a at a strong nine (laughs) so what you got well mark there's no such thing as a weak nine or a strong nine it's a nine i'm just saying 
but but again, <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. Um, well, you know, there were a couple of things that occurred to me, and I, I went back and forth on kind of a one a one point range on this one. I, I felt like the Eagleton investment was a smart payoff. You mm-hmm. know, they they created a goof functionally, but at the same time, they created this whole they expanded the universe, as you said. I mm-hmm. think that was a really important move here. Um, it's one of many they'll do where they kind of give us other things because I think out you know it's a little bit like when Murder She Wrote when there's so many dead people in that little tiny town she lives in mm. you know you start to wonder wow that's a lot going on in this one little tiny town yeah maybe we should move yeah don't yeah. don't live there no jessica no um right yeah get out but but here i think you run the same risk if too much happens in pawnee alone that you do need a slightly bigger universe to play in to make it more credible well yeah. right and this is a sitcom but you still want to be credible at the end of the day well not only that but when crazy begats crazy you need either normalcy or a different brand of crazy. Uh, so you have a point. new contrast. <clears throat> that's a great point. Yeah. You need, you need to have that balance for sure. I thought the ending of this was so good. I'm going to agree with you. You said it well, and I won't add too much to it because you said it so well. And, but I would say the, uh, the one it reminded me the most of was Pekitis. If you remember the mm. end of Pekitis, mm-hmm. which we just replayed. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope everyone enjoyed that. And it was nice for us to have a week off, but it was also fitting to play that during Halloween. Yeah. Because um, it's really our only Halloween episode to this point in our coverage of the show. Yes. We've got a couple more coming up. But you remember the wrap up of Pekitis where mm-hmm. we see how he did it? Mm-hmm. And there's those little moments. Like I remember we talked about a time like 2.11. Like, you know, let's freeze the frame there and look at it. And it's like, there he is. He's standing next to the dumpster in, yep. a, in a costume. And it's, you know, it's like all the little things that happened along the way we didn't see. And then they walked us back through it at the end. I thought that was kind of brilliant. Yeah. Here, the way Leslie kind of lays it out to Ron, how this all came down, her feelings about it and everything, kind of had the same type of reveal to me. And yet it was very touching. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't done for shock and awe, mm-hmm. although that was the name of her campaign yeah. with April. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was just a really genuine gift she gave him and she got a little bit of fun by torturing him out of it as well. So and we all did. I felt like the one thing this episode was maybe missing a little bit was balance. Um, that end was so good mm-hmm. that maybe, like you said, the A plot line could have been a little stronger. And I think I went back and forth between an eight and a half and a nine, but I landed on a nine. So we both functionally gave it the exact same score. I think maybe you wanted to go as high as nine, five. I wanted to maybe go as low as eight, five uh, at times. But, um, you know, we've said it before and I'll say it again. And my score may change depending on the day we review the show. And I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. <clears throat> Quarter points aren't allowed. No one here thinks that. Well, I'm glad that you and the brass have agreed God. that that's not a thing. Yeah, um, we've ag- agreed. I mean, look, I thought it was nice that we gave you the uh, the ability to give ties on the MVP. That was brilliant. Because yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Quarter points? No. Yeah. That's it's easy. It's too easy, Mark. It's almost worth an F space in the parking lot okay <laughs> look pretty soon you'll be back in the front row with me and constantine yeah i guess i don't know does he get to stay look, his golf cart smells like onions he's got the whole thing sm- I, I don't even want to get into it <laughs> well it's kind of a long walk you know from where we park to where we where we film yeah uh, you know this this podcast so yeah yeah you know <laughs> so i have i have one question for you so yeah, first yeah. of all i was right so are yeah, well, yeah we both were 
I was more than you, though. Oh, fair enough. Somehow that works, even though we have the same story. No, I. Uh, you went first, so it seems <laughs> makes make you like you almost get the last word by being first. That's right. I, like I that. am not the copycat. Anyone who comes there after it is. me, yeah, I'm the copycat. Yeah. No, I, I, I like all your points too. I think we agreed on 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 pretty much everything. Um, so one question for you, as Leslie is is craftily designing her her ploy here to drive Ron crazy. Yeah, I could see her kind of wink wink getting april in on like really really what's going on right i could see her doing that with Anne. not april i don't think it's that she doesn't trust her i think it's that it's her loyalty to ron yeah maybe that's a consideration right she knows that april will you know um not answer a phone. Uh, See, I, I don't buy that. I, I, I don't think, know. I think that I think. So here's what I was going to get at. Yeah. I was wondering about uh, Andy because. Oh, I think Andy. He'd spill the beans, but not on purpose. I think he would do absolutely anything he could like a Labrador retriever and be like, yes. what can I do? What can I do? But like a Labrador retriever, I don't think he makes a good spy. No. <laughs> so, I, well, and I, I wondered, too, along those along that same vein. You know, when he accidentally let out the kidnapping squad, mm -hmm. do you think that Leslie told him that so that he she knew he'd spill the beans yes. and that would torture Ron even more? Yes, I do, too. But yeah. see, and that that's the difference is I think that she was using Andy's strength yeah. of kind of being a lovable doofus. Doof. Yeah. But I think that April and Anne are are, are savvy enough that I, I like to think that she's like, OK, pst, Here's here's what's really going on, yeah. and then kind of let them roll with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could especially see April enjoying that. So you that think in her she did way. let April in on the big secret? The big I reveal. think so. I like to think of it like that. I hadn't. Uh, be just being honest. I, I love the question, but I hadn't considered whether April or Anne knew the full story. You, you know why I keep on coming back to April though is because I cannot see her saying, "Hey, Ron, who is not at all Duke Silver." Hmm. How about we get inflatable saxophones? Huh? Like I could see her going, okay, I'm going to torture you with a birthday party. Like yeah. maybe I couldn't see her going, I'm going to out you as Duke Silver. Yeah. And I don't think she would have. I think that was just. And that's why I think that was my clue to where I go. I think oh. she, I think she was playing along. Okay. You know what? I'll buy it. That's good evidence. Yeah. And I'm not sure about. I, I'm not either. I think honestly, I, I, Rashida Jones was so good at Ian in that scene when, you know, with the one and final remaining balloon, you know, yeah. for, for Leroy or whoever it was. Uh, Tyrone. Tyrone. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, she, she, she's learning at that moment that it's Ron's birthday. Yeah. Like, I think that's true. Yeah. So that tells me she wasn't in on the plot, but maybe huh. it was. Yeah. She seemed pretty genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, I guess we'll never know, but um, I think we do agree that it was one of our favorite scenes to end a show for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without no a doubt, doubt about it. Yeah. 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 Well done. Well, I think that about covers it for this week, Mark. Um, we will actually be back next week with another new episode. And actually, Mark, we're going to have a special guest on this episode as well. Mr. Andy Milder, who oh. plays our least favorite person mm. in the, the Snake Hole Lounge. Freddie. Freddie, the owner. Yeah, Freddie, the owner. So We love to hate him. We love to hate him. And we'll talk to Andy about that a little bit. Uh, he's our special guest on next week's show. That's right. Awesome. All right, Mark. Well, that, I think that about does it. And I'm looking forward to the fight next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. 
Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us.